All right. Everyone has a reputation, right? Everyone's got a reputation. And you know their reputation based upon when you say a name and your first thoughts of that person come to your mind. That's their reputation. Now, we care about our reputation, don't we? We should care about our reputation. But what if your reputation was defined by or based on one of your weakest moments in your life? What if how people remember you is based on one of your weakest, low moments in life? What would be your reputation? What would people call you right now? But, but also, what if you understood that what other people thought was a weak or a low moment was actually the moment that gave you the strength to get to where you are today? We're going to talk about that. We're in the middle of a a series called Defining Moments. If you're online with us this morning, we're so glad that you are with us today. Uh, We're one church, no matter where you are, pointing people to Jesus as One Hope Church. And so I'm glad we're doing this together today. And in this series, we're talking about those defining moments, powerful moments that people have with Jesus that change how they live life from then on out. We're talking about how those specific moments, those specific moments define our thought processes and how we live. Because a moment with Jesus changes everything. And when we're looking at these moments, well, at least my motive for these moments is maybe when we see these moments with people in Jesus we will once again be reminded that Jesus is truly better than anything this world can offer. Maybe when we see these moments, we can be wowed again. I've told you that every week. But I've also said, may they not be just moments that we read about of what happened in the past, but they would inspire us to say, I want a moment like that. I want whatever Jesus has for me. I want to experience him the way other people did. And we won't just think, oh, when Jesus stopped relating to people in that way when the Bible was being done written. But no, Jesus wants to meet with us in this moment the same way he's met with people since the beginning. And those moments define our lives. And so the first week we talked about the man who was born blind and how Jesus healed him right? We, and this moment changed his life, but maybe the greatest healing, maybe the greatest miracle that he experienced wasn't in receiving new sight. Maybe it was more in receiving new life. That's what defined the rest of his life. And then last week I talked about the relationship between Peter and Jesus, right? And Jesus met him on that shore of Galilee and called him out of his life to something more. And the relationship was great until that moment where Peter denied Jesus as being his follower three times, just as Jesus predicted. But what did I say? The great news about last week was even after he messed that up, it wasn't over. 
the relationship wasn't over. Because Jesus did for Peter what he wants to do for us, even on the other side of just totally messing up. He wants to redeem us. He wants to restore us. He wants to repurpose us into the calling he has for our lives. That was a defining moment for Peter. So now we're going to go to our third story. So we're going to go to our our third story, and I want to go back to what I talked about just a moment ago. What if your reputation was defined by what others said was your weakest moment? What if how people talked about you, remembered you, thought of you, was because of that moment that you know, I just wasn't at my best. But what if you also knew it was that moment that launched you into what God had for the rest of your life? Or if that moment was actually a launching moment, where other people think it's a weak moment, it's a low moment, it was a launching moment. Any guesses who I'm going to talk about today? Let's go to John chapter 20. You got your Bibles, you got your phones, you can follow on the screen, you'll see who we're going to talk about today in the moment that defined this person's life. And I pray that you'll be inspired. If you are in the same moment as this person, that you will experience Jesus in the same way. John chapter 20, we're going to go to verse 24. Let's read this together. Now Thomas, there's our guy for today. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he says to them, and this is that low moment that maybe defined his life to other people. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. This is the story where Thomas gets his reputation as what? Doubting Thomas. You know it. You can respond to that. But what's going on here? See, right before this moment we read of Thomas, some big climactic moments happen in the story of Jesus and the history of humanity. See, if you read just before that, Jesus is arrested. He's brought before the leaders for conviction. He's beaten. He's humiliated as he carries that cross through the city. He's put up up on the cross. He's nailed to the cross. And then he dies just hours later later. That's what's happening right before John chapter 20. And then he's taken down, he's put in his burial clothes, and he's put into the tomb. This was a big moment for the story of humanity and for all of us. But on a more personal level, imagine being the people who walk through that who had been part of Jesus' life every single day. Imagine what it had been like for them. This had to have been a deeply traumatic experience, yes? See, we know, remember the end of the story. Like, we know how this thing plays out. So it's amazing, and it's emotional, and we're grateful, and it just grabs our life. But imagine being one of the twelve. Imagine being family, friends, first followers of Jesus. 
I think of this moment, I've got to go, this has to shake you. This moment has effects on you. This has to disrupt everything in your life because nothing makes sense in this moment to these people. And we've had these moments, right? Have you had one of these moments? Where something traumatic happens in your life and it just shakes you to the core. Life may not make sense like it once did. That's their story. They're shaken. They're not sure. They're insecure. The future, we don't know where it's going. But then something happens, and we know what happens. Jesus can't be held down. He's dead for three days, and then he resurrects. And right before this moment we just read with Thomas, right before, Jesus starts showing himself to people. He's gone through all of this, and he's died in his resurrection, and all of a sudden he shows himself to Mary, right? All of a sudden, he shows himself to the disciples one evening. They get to see what they've been hearing. Jesus is alive, and it's right there in front of them. This has to be a powerfully moving moment for the disciples. Just when they thought it was going to be over, it only gets better. But there's a problem. Did you catch the problem? On what I read earlier, what's the problem? Well, it's a problem at least for one person, isn't it? Thomas wasn't there the night that Jesus comes into the house and shows himself the disciples. Thomas wasn't there. He didn't get to experience what the other people got to experience. Thomas didn't get that powerful moment where things went from feeling defeated to then feeling unstoppable in life. Thomas didn't get that moment. You've probably had this experience with somebody before. Something happens in their life and they come back and they want to tell you all about it. And they're super excited. Yeah? They're like super excited. They're telling you maybe a vacation. Maybe went to Disney. Maybe something happened with their kids. Something happened in their life. And they're telling you about it. And they're super excited. And they want you to be excited. And you want to be excited. But you can't be quite as excited because you weren't there in that moment. Like you want to be excited. Like yes. But you're like I wasn't there. I didn't see it. I experienced this one time with a guy that had gone to this church. I spoke one morning, and something I've, I've told the whole story years ago, but I've mentioned before about my knee and the miraculous healing I experienced, and I, be, I shared about that. And after service, he said, um, Scott, I want to come and talk to you about that, because see, this person, he wasn't sure about Christianity. He wasn't sure what to believe about Jesus. He wasn't sure where, um, what life was about, to believe or not, and so... He's like, can we go have lunch? So I go have lunch, and he's like, can you share that story with me again? Now, when I share this story, I'm passionately intense. Like, it, just, it, it was a defining moment for my life, so I'm def- I go at it. And at the end of the story, I'm looking at him, and he's angry. This is not a normal response. Like, broski, like, what did I just tell you? Like, this is amazing. He's angry. How do you not share my energy with this story? Like something amazing happened. He said, Scott, where is my, and actually cussed at me, where is my blank moment like that? 
Where is my, and he was angry, where is my moment like that? Because if I had that moment, then I could believe and I couldn't be in the struggle that I'm in right now. Where is my moment? And honestly, I didn't quite know what to say in that moment. I didn't totally know how to respond, and I've thought about that moment many times. I've thought about what it's like to be sitting in his seat. And I've thought about what would I say next time. And when I think of Thomas, when I read Thomas, I think of that conversation I had with that guy. Thomas didn't have the moment that others had. He didn't see the miraculous, and so he didn't have the, you know, the, the same excitement, the same experience. He didn't have the same thing they had. So what we're left with is a doubting Thomas. What we're left with is a struggling to believe what is true, Thomas. And so because of that moment, we're left with a reputation where I say, hey, what do we think of Thomas? And everybody sitting calls him doubting Thomas. He has this legacy to be the one that doubted while others believed. There's this shout, uh, cloud of shame over top of his name. And I think it's because in the Christian life or world, it feels like there's no room for doubt. There's no room to wrestle like this. So when we think of Thomas, it's doubting Thomas, that's how he's defined. But what if we got it all wrong? What if we got this all wrong? What if this was a moment in his life, but it wasn't totally who Thomas was? And and I think this because chapter 20 isn't the only place where Thomas is talked about. You know, there's two other places that Thomas is talked about by John in his gospel. He talks about his friend and co-disciples. I see in John chapter 11, there's this famous story of a guy named Lazarus. Have you heard of Lazarus before? Jesus and Lazarus are really close. And Lazarus dies. And Jesus hears about it. And he's like, I'm going to Judea so I can do what I need to do in Lazarus' life. And the, the disciples have a weird response. Their first response is, Jesus, easy, easy. Last time you were there, they tried to stone you. Like they're trying to kill you. Let's chill on going there, all right? Jesus says, no. I've got to do something in Lazarus's life. I'm going no matter what. And then there's this simple, almost forgettable verse John 11, verse 16, it says, Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, so we got the same person, right? Said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. Tell me, where is this in Thomas's reputation? Why aren't you yelling out to me, Oh, Thomas, courageous Thomas? When I go, Hey, what's Thomas's nickname? Oh, brave Thomas. Where's that? No. It's always doubting Thomas because of this low, seemingly weak moment in his life. 
But I said there were three places, not two, right? So there's John chapter 20, and then there's John chapter 11, and then there's John chapter 14. Now, if you read John chapter 14, feel free to read these this week in your time in Scripture. We have Jesus telling his disciples, don't be troubled. Don't be troubled. I'm going to a place where I'm preparing for you. And Jesus says to them this verse, John chapter 14, verse 4. You know the way to the place where I'm going. You know the way to the place that I'm going. Now stop for a second. When I picture this moment, I picture the disciples looking around in confusion. It's like you're in class and the teacher says something expecting the whole class to know it. But all you do is look around and the kids are like, like they're not fine. Like the, the, the teacher has complete clarity, but the students are not tracking exactly. And so they're looking around. I'm picturing this. I'll, I'll tell you why in a second, why I think that. I picture they're looking around. And, and the question is, who is going to be brave enough? The question is, who is going to care enough? Who's going to be the one that's going to raise the hand and go, I don't know what you're talking about. Who will be the one that doesn't let the moment pass to get some clarity? Thomas is this guy. Thomas is this guy. Thomas seems to say something that's really simple that will go totally unnoticed. John 14, 5. In response to what Jesus said, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And this question seems like nothing. You may never have stopped on that verse at all before. Maybe. It may seem like nothing, except it isn't. See, when I read that verse, I go, this shows me something. It shows me something about Thomas. It shows me something of his investment. It shows me Thomas is paying attention. It shows me Thomas wants to know the truth. Thomas wants to be a good follower. He wants it enough that when he doesn't know what's happening, he doesn't understand, he'll raise his hand and go, I, I want to know this. We don't know where you're going. How do we know the way? I want to know. It tells me something about Thomas. But then the second thing is this moment is significant because when you read this moment, Jesus' answer is something that we have held on to and proclaimed for history. You know that. Jesus' response to Thomas raising his hand going, we don't know where we're going. How do we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You've heard that before, right? I don't care if you grew up in the church or not, you probably heard that sentence because this is the anthem of the church. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the answer to life comes from this moment. Thomas asked the question that gave room for Jesus to give this powerful answer for Christianity. So my question is, is where's Thomas's reputation in this? Where's Thomas the inquisitive? Thomas the question asker? Thomas the really cares? Thomas the one that wants to know? Thomas, Tom, no, we know mostly Thomas from chapter 20, where Thomas seems to doubt, not believe. 
But what if that moment is not the bigger picture of Thomas? What if that moment of doubt was really because he was just so bought in and the traumatic experience of Jesus' death was just hanging over him? What if he was so bought in and devastated to the death of Jesus that he couldn't handle this news of him being alive not being true? What if when you go through these traumatic moments, what if you go through moments of, of doubt, it's just because something big has happened and you can't handle something else? What if Thomas was all in, but in this moment, it was just a hard moment, and he didn't have the advantage of seeing what the others had already seen. Do you see the bigger picture that's going on here? What if his nickname is an unfair legacy? What if it wasn't who Thomas was? What if we have Thomas wrong? And what if Jesus knew what Thomas needed? What if Jesus knew all he needed was to have what the others already had? What if he just needed an experience with Jesus that would change everything? And Thomas gets it. Thomas gets this experience with Jesus that changes everything. John chapter 20, verse 26. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Like, it, it, he just like, it, it's different. This is a big thing. Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas sees it and what does he say? My Lord, my God. And then Jesus told him, because you've seen me, you've believed and blessed are those who have not seen yet have believed. Thomas had a moment of doubt. He had his doubts of what was true. But once he experienced Jesus, once he experienced Jesus, this moment defined the rest of his life. This is why every week I'm going to point people to Jesus. Because I think in this moment, you experience Jesus, everything changes. I don't think Thomas struggled like he once did. Thomas lived out the rest of his life on mission to share the experience he had with Jesus. I believe this because of what I read, not just in the Bible, but you can read stories about Thomas in history books. Ever read about Thomas? Thomas is known as a patron saint to India. Do you know that? Have you ever heard this before? Thomas is known as a patron saint to India. He went there on a mission trip to share the gospel, to share, share the news of Jesus, to share what he knew. And during this time, lots of people began to be converted. There's stories that you read about um, um, high-level leaders' wives being converted. Priests' wives being converted. A movement started there in that part of 
India. And so there's lots of stories about Thomas. And what comes with this is like tales and, um, you know, just, just some, when you read through it, I can't verify every single story. Because you know how stories go. They, they pass down and they, but let me tell you this right now. You begin to read a lot of these stories. They all end in the same place. People were angry with Thomas. People were angry that lives were being converted to Christianity. People were, were, were believing in this person, Jesus, that Thomas was now talking about. And during this missions trip to India, Thomas was killed. There's many different ways people say he was killed, but he was killed in India. He was killed for sharing his experience and belief in Jesus. Thomas was one of the disciples who died as a martyr for his faith in Jesus. We can call Thomas the doubter. Or we can think about his life a different way. We can call Thomas the doubter, or we can also look at his life and say he has so many things where it showed his love and faithfulness and, and passion for Jesus. He just had a moment of doubt. There's a reason I share this story today. There's a reason I picked this story out or of, of, of a lot of stories that Jesus had with people. I mean, you can go to my office and I've just got a whiteboard of like 30 experiences that I was lo looking at of what did I want to share with you of defining moments in people's lives. There's a reason I pick out this defining moment that Thomas had. Because I think I'm Thomas sometimes. I think you have been Thomas sometimes. I think that no matter how long you've followed Jesus or not at all, in your life, you've had moments of doubt, of wonder. Things happen and you're shaken. Tough experiences happen and you're like, I, I just, I don't know what to believe anymore. We all have these kind of moments. I think that's why Jesus says, because you have seen me, you believed. But blessed are those who have not seen, yet they believed. <laughs> blessed are those who, who believe, who push through, who, who, who could live in doubt. Because life is tough. Because we don't have all the answers. But still believe. I believe it takes a great amount of faith to believe in Jesus. I think it takes a great amount of faith and being okay with not having every answer in a simple way. I think believing in Jesus takes us to have this deep faith that even we believe even though we don't see him after his death and resurrection in purpose, death and resurrection in person, it takes a great amount of faith. And I share this story because I just believe, I talk to people, I know that just the human struggle, that there are moments, and maybe this is a moment for you, that there's something in you that has a little bit of 
wonder. Whether in this room or watching online today that, that there is maybe something that's creeped in. Maybe this year has been a tough year and not everything makes sense. There has been traumatic emotions, feelings, experiences because of the way life has been. That is COVID related. That is just, could be family related. It could be work related. Relationship related. Where you may be sitting and you're just not sure if all of this makes sense. There's many reasons we have doubt and many different things we're doubtful of. And maybe I just want to tell you today that from what I read in John's gospel, maybe Jesus is okay with our doubts. More okay than the world tells us it's okay. Hear me out. Look at the story of Jesus and Thomas. Did Jesus yell at Thomas? Do you see anger coming from Jesus? I don't think Jesus gets mad when we wrestle with doubting moments. I think Jesus knows we have messages after messages being thrown at us that we have to, that we have to sift through. We have experiences after experiences that we have to process in our minds. We don't have all the answers. We don't have it right in front of us. And so maybe doubts are understandable. Maybe Jesus isn't afraid of our doubts and our wonderings and our wrestling. Maybe he wants to meet us there and help us believe. Maybe he understands this is part of our maturing and our growing. This is part of figuring life out. Maybe Jesus is more patient with you than you are with yourself. As you wrestle with and you beat yourself up for those moments. Now hear me. I think Jesus is patient and okay with our doubts, but I also believe Jesus doesn't want us to stay there. I don't think he wants us to stay there. But maybe just like Thomas, this is part of experiencing all of who God is and what he wants for us. Maybe it's this process that strengthens us. Maybe it's, it's wrestling with these doubts and coming up with answers that helps us process so we can experience and do more as we follow Jesus than we ever thought we could because of on the other side of doubt. Maybe Jesus is less worried about our doubts and really it's as simple as this. Jesus is just looking for us to give him a chance. Maybe it's less about our doubts and more about Jesus saying, I want to give you a, I want you to give me a chance. Because I want to tell you this morning that my faith is strong enough to believe that if you give Jesus a chance, you will experience him. My faith and belief is strong enough that if you give Jesus a chance, you will begin to see him all around you. My faith and belief in Jesus is strong enough to believe that if you give Jesus a chance, he will meet you exactly where you are today, no matter what you're experiencing or what you have experienced. He's going to meet you there. 
I just think Jesus is looking for a chance. But hear me on this. I want to bring some clarity. If you're in that place, wondering, Jesus, where are you? Is all this real? How do I process all this? When I say Jesus is looking for you to give him a chance, this is what I mean. Jesus is looking for you to give him a chance. And I mean it. There's a difference in doubting and rejecting. And sometimes we get that messed up. And when some people struggle with doubt, how they approach it is, God, you're going to have to prove yourself. But honestly, we've built up so many walls, it doesn't matter what God does. He can't prove himself to because you're not in doubt, you're in rejection. It's not that he doesn't want to show himself. It's no matter what God does. The reality is we're not interested. And we've put up so many walls between us, there's no way God can get there. I've seen this happen so many times when people have gone through hardships in their life. Something just happens like Thomas and it just, it destroys you. You begin to put up these walls. You don't know what to believe anymore. And so what many times happens is God takes the blame. You know we've done this. God, how could you let this happen? God, if, it, if you had just... Then we begin to doubt and we begin to separate and nothing he could ever do could change your mind because you're living in that hurt and you're living in that fear and you're living in that anger and you're living in all those emotions. And I get it because life happens. Right? Like, life happens and these emotions come up. Why I can relate to this, why I think you can relate to this, because I try to put myself in the seat of Thomas. Like, I, I wonder how he's feeling, because in a moment when things fall apart, there's real emotions that happen, and you begin to almost get into defensive mode. You get in self-protection mode. You, you just feel this confusion, that pain just separates you and you begin to run away from God. Because doubting, why would this ever happen? Why would I feel this if, God, you were real? And Maybe it's not who you are, but it's who you are in that moment. And maybe you've felt these moments. Maybe you're feeling this in this moment. But here's my question. What if we treated that moment, instead of closing God out, we would treat it the way Thomas treated it? Life is tough right now. Life is a mess right now. I'm hurting right now. I don't know what to believe right now. So Jesus, I need to see you right now. Will you show me yourself right now? And instead of hiding or turning away, you let God reveal himself to you. Here's what I'm saying. I don't think doubting is the problem. I think Jesus can work with doubts. 
I think the problem is, are we even giving Jesus a chance? In our moments of doubt, in our moments of struggle, in our moments of wrestling, in our moments where, are we giving Jesus a chance? And so that's what I came to ask today. That maybe in this moment you feel like Thomas, what he felt in that moment. Are you going through something? Have you gone through? Is there ripple effects? Is there lasting effects? And it's causing you to doubt something about God. Is God real? Is God present? Is God powerful enough? Is God faithful? Does God love me enough? Maybe doubting just something really personal to you. You're asking the question. I want to tell you, just, your pastor, I believe. I believe that God is everything and can do everything. I don't think God is the problem. Is there a chance that we just need to give him a chance? Is there a chance we just need to give him a chance? Is there a chance that we're our own enemy, that when we go through these and we close up, that that's the worst thing we can do when we should just say, God, I'm not sure what to believe right now. Will you show me yourself and I'll open myself up to you. I won't protect. I won't turn my debt back. I won't reject. I will open myself up even more. So what we're going to do today is we're going to close in worship as we do. And maybe you need to have a conversation with God because I don't know where you're sitting. I don't know if there is that wrestling with you. And maybe I could say that maybe God is working and you just don't see it. And maybe you need to say, God, I, I, maybe you're doing something, but I need you to show me. Because here, here's what I wonder. Is your, is your defining moment with Jesus not going to be experienced in the great moment, but is it going to be experienced in the low moment? That's what I wonder. These defining moments in our lives, maybe they don't come from a moment you're like, oh my goodness, that's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. God, I experienced you there. Maybe it's in the, this is the, this is kind of destroying me. This is really hard. And I don't know if you're there, God, because if you were there, why would this happen? Or why would I feel this way? And maybe it's in this moment we go, God, can you just show me yourself? If you show me yourself, then I'll believe. And this isn't who I always am, but in this moment, I need you to show me who you are. I need to experience you again. Look at Thomas had spent so many moments with Jesus, and he was ready to die with him. Thomas is asking the question, Jesus, where are you going? I want to know. I want to follow you. I don't understand. But if you tell me, oh, you're the way, the truth, and the life. Okay. You can still struggle with moments. God, why? But it's in when we ask why. God says, I'll show you. But don't put your arms against me. Open your arms up. Because on the other side of that, maybe you're stronger than you were on the front side. That maybe you'll go to far countries and you'll die for me. Because you're so convinced that in your low moments, Jesus shows himself to you. So this is what we're going to do in worship. 
We're going to sing a song together. Maybe you need just to pray, or maybe you need to proclaim, because this song is a song of declaration. It's a song of who I think God is. And maybe you don't even believe it now, but maybe even by worshiping it and praising and just giving, that maybe you go, God, you do work when I don't know you're working. You are there when I don't feel you. God, you are doing things, and I don't recognize it, but God, you are faithful, you are loving, you do miraculous works, and I'm going to praise you today because when I do that, maybe it opens up that experience for you to remind me. Like, I'm right there with you. You're sad, I'm right there with you. You're angry, I'm right there with you. You're confused, I'm right there with you. And ultimately, isn't that all we can ask for? This life's going to be tough. But can't we just ask for a God that says, I'm going to be right there with you. And when you doubt, I'm not going to push you away. I'm going to lean in and show myself to you. Because that's what I do. So you stand with me as we pray. And we're going to end in that worship declaration. And you do what you have to do. But I want to pray over us today. As we go into this moment. Heavenly Father. You know where your children sit right now. You know where these people that you love and desperately want to show yourself to sit right now. God, if there is doubt in this room or if there is doubt by people watching online, if there's unbelief in this room or people watching online, God, may this be a moment where they would be open to you to show you not everything is fixed in a moment, but my presence will be there with you. And God, with your presence being with us, we can go through anything. God, there's people in this space today who have not given their life to you. There's people watching, no matter when they're watching, has not given their life to you. May they be open to you showing your love and how that came through your death and resurrection. And a simple prayer would be spoken. God, I believe that you did this and I'm going to give you a chance. God, if anybody becomes open to you, will you be faithful to show yourself? God, thank you that when we doubt or wrestle with these things, you don't give up on us. You don't put shame on us. You don't tell us we're bad. God, you just pour more of yourself on us. So today, God, as we end in worship, may we declare who you are even in some of the worst moments. Speak to your people today. Amen.